Good evening, guys, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Fancy Wildcard Debbie Show. Uh, we've got the we've got the bunch back again after our first episode last week. We moved on to episode two. Uh, just before I introduce the guys and ask how the weeks have been, just something I forgot to do last week. Shout out to Mags for the uh, for the intro there and stuff like that. I, I think I shouted out a few people last week. Neglected Mags, so apologies for that. Even though he has left all our teams off with <laughs> no players at all, but yeah, appreciate that, Mags. Uh, Jack, Phil, welcome, Jack. How's your how's your two weeks been since our first episode? Yeah, good mate. Lots of uh, lots of iffy weather up in Yorkshire. For those that don't know, all three of us are uh, up in up Yorkshire way. So even if some of us don't sound it, um, but yeah, doing well. Dived into some senior bowl stuff and uh, even more transfer portal drama in in college football. Yeah, I watched a bit of um, senior ball as well. It's like that little little bit of football that we have in between before the draft and stuff. You just cling on to it and stuff. It, like I say, it's a fun week as well. You know, it's, it's enjoyable, but it's, it's it, it goes quickly and you like waiting for the draft again. Uh, Phil, how about you? How, how's your two weeks been? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, you know, obviously, the AFC Championship game aside, um, it's been a, good, it. <laughs> been a good couple of weeks. See, I'm still wearing my colours loud and proud. Um, but yeah, you know, on, on to next season as far as the NFL goes. There's no game this weekend or anything like that. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I took in a bit of the senior ball, um, tried, to, tried to pump the Twitter coverage out, like kind of whilst all that was going on. But I've, I've got a seven-year-old and... He actually, for all the slander of the Pro Bowl and the new format of the Pro Bowl's got, he was absolutely transfixed by the dodgeball and the kind of Pro Bowl skills games. So I had to take a bit of that in with him. Um, I still don't really know how I feel about it, but, um, but he, he certainly enjoyed it. And it was nice to sit and watch it with him and kind of get him involved with, you know, with something that I love. So. Yeah, it's, um, I feel the same. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I feel a lot better than the actual game before because like, it just seemed like a game not worth watching that uh mostly at a silly time as well and stuff but yeah it, i do feel better about it but still yeah still 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 not sure about it but that's why we're more college guys anyway aren't we exactly <laughs> so obviously it's episode two for us uh this week and um we're gonna look at the um the transfer portal and a few players that have um, obviously moved to better or worse situations um Yes, if you've been following college football the last few years, you know that transport is a bit of a, a crazy um, thing that they've brought into now where players can move to a team and they're eligible straight away than back, oh, I can't remember how many years ago it is now, maybe five, maybe six, I can't remember what it is now, four, five, six, um, where you, you were transferred and you had to sit out a year, which is crazy to think. It seems that long ago now that you could do that, but yeah. So you get more players transferring around and um, moving to to different teams, you know, different schools, sorry. And uh, yeah, we're going to take a look at a few. There's a lot to get through, but we've just picked our, maybe maybe not our favourite ones, but interesting topics from each one, you know, to talk about and we'll go through each position group. And obviously we'll start at the quarterback position and uh, Jack, um, I'm going to pick it. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird one. You have Jack in it because um, there was some big high rounding last year, and, and the team he's gone to. It's, it's, it is a bit, bit, bit odd. Yeah, I've I've gone for Malachi Nelson as the person I want to talk about. And as you say, he was at USC with Lincoln Riley, and he was dubbed as 
um, Caleb Williams heir apparent. This should be his off-season to be taking hold of an electric offense in a team that's moving to a bigger conference. Sorry, Jord. And <laughs> it just came out of nowhere, really, that Malachi Nelson entered the transfer portal um, like early December, I think it was. And at that point, I was certainly thinking, this is a five-star recruit. He was top 10, top 12 overall recruits in the 2023 class. He was the first pick in all of my Devi supplemental drafts last year. And he uh, yeah, could have gone to another Power 5 team and, and looked to take over. So, so Ohio State were looking for a quarterback at that point. Um, quite a few big teams were looking for quarterbacks, but he has, has dropped down to a group of five teams. He's gone to Boise State Broncos in the Mountain West Conference, and it totally took me and I think most of the college football world by surprise. Certainly, the Boise State fans are absolutely delighted that they have managed to, to snag Malachi Nelson out of the transfer portal. And so it intrigues me for, for a few reasons that he is going to a team where he's going to start. So that's a that's a good thing for Devi. He's only had three snaps in college football so far, and only one of those was he allowed to throw a pass on. So we'll get to see a bit more of Malachi Nelson, assuming that he wins that job. He's got a soft schedule, so he should be winning quite a lot next year. The Broncos won the Mountain West last year and they have a, a quite easy schedule, in my opinion, going forward. So he's going to be able to to light up the field and, and maybe show a bit of uh, flash and trickery. But it is not a good thing when your Devi asset goes from a top Power 5 team and transfers to the group of five. It's not something that you want to see. And so I am so torn because I'm excited to see what Malachi Nelson can do in a in a pass-friendly offense against weak opposition. But it scares me for his debut value. And what I hope is that he's going to light it up and maybe then look to transfer again back into the Power Five once he's established himself as a starter and got into the rhythm of college football. Yeah, I think that's like the... Um... But, but when I mentioned the transfer portal earlier and stuff, it's not the end of, of the world. Obviously, it's not great looking at it like now going to the Boise State, but you can. Obviously, the benefit is obviously you can, if he has a good season, he can transfer back to maybe a power five and and um, find himself in like a, a good position. But yeah, it's because obviously Malachi Nelson with, with um, the other three quarterbacks um, for potentially and stuff and everything. If you throw a few other guys in there, you know, um, that we're. They could be separated. I think when I looked at a lot of people's rankings back before, they'd be like Malachi Nelson could easily be one, two, three, four. You know, there were so many people out there. So to see the other guys, you know, what they're doing, and um, I was him to go to Boise State. It, like I say, it, it's, it's, if, we, if it's one of them now, where like if, if if he doesn't perform well at Boise State, then obviously he's, he's, <laughs> he's going to fall off a cliff. So it's going to be interesting. And I'm not saying for I'm I'm pretty confident Malachi Nelson will be there at Boise State for the start of 2024 season, but there is another transfer portal yet to open where guys could move as as well and stuff and everything. So it's um it, yeah, it's a strange one. I don't know if you had any thoughts on um, on it, Phil, because obviously, like you say, five staff costs, but, but not getting many snaps in year one moving to Group Five is very it's, it's different. 
Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, it's, it strikes me as uh, a classic example of uh, this new kind of money talking. Um, just because the group of five doesn't mean that people will be throwing everything at him to turn his head and kind of move, make him move that way. Um, but I think I think you were right. Like a good year at the group of five, watching him tear through competition. And then the next thing will be, well, can he do it against a better opponent? And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to then see him move back, like Jack said, into the power five um, and then test his metal in his kind of final season, his junior season, perhaps before looking at... Um, then turning his hand to the league. Uh, like you say, it's um, it, Jack said it's it's concerning as you look at it now. But it's it's, it's no things can happen later on, you know, going forward. And if you keep holding, like obviously the value is not going to be there if you're looking to like jump off him. So you might just keep holding him and see see what's going to come of him after after this year and, and um, even if you want to get off for him after that and he transfers to Finger, but that's um, a long way off going forward but moving on to um, a guy that I picked and stuff someone that I'm like quite quite high on actually and stuff I've got quite a lot of shares in him in, in um, and on um, in Devi in Devi Leeds and I thought this year I thought I might be putting him into my NFL teams uh, this year at one point because he did actually commit to the draft although like he was a bit to the draft and uh came back out and he committed to Miami and that's Cam Ward from Washington State. I think he's he's quite a bit of one of them uh, Debbie Darlings and stuff. A lot of people uh, uh, really enjoy watching him. You know, he's um, he, he's not really a pocket pocket passer. Like he can make he can actually make um, plays with his legs, but he does like to stay in the pocket a lot more than like um, than, than you'd probably think. Because like I say, he's really good <laughs> making plays on his legs you know he's like he's fast and stuff but he just loves playing from the pocket and he's obviously his stats show that you know he's got i think this season he had um i think 66.6 or something like that percent you know um completion rate you know i know um people uh, might say pack 12 but it was very competitive this year pack 12 it was um there's some good quarterbacks some good teams in there and um what, what's impressed me about him as well over the last in the two years since moving from um incarnate world in um to um washington state he um i think he's found about 15 interceptions in two seasons which is pretty good for for, for a college quarterback um he's he looks after the ball really well and obviously moving over to miami now this i hate to say it but there's probably going to be more eyes on him you know <laughs> moving from the west coast to the east coast he's got um, an oc in miami his, his name's um Shannon Dawson, for people who don't know him, he, he um, coached Clayton Toon at um, Houston when um, and um, Tank Dell when Tank Dell was there, and obviously hasn't gone on to do much in the NFL as it stands. But he was really productive for Houston and really got the best out of Clayton Toon, you know. And yeah, he's. Um, I, I probably, if I were to say, I probably would have think it might have been would have been interesting if he did commit to the draft because I feel like he could have been, I don't think he might have pushed for the first round, but he could have been a second round guy, but maybe he thinks going to Miami, putting up some amazing numbers over there, like in, with more eyes on him, he can maybe push himself into the first round. You know, the quarterbacks next year look a bit, obviously, bleaker compared to this year. So, yeah, maybe he fancies himself as a first round guy. Um, Phil, like I say, Cam Ward, he was a Debbie Dine, a lot of people, we're, we're we're looking at him and stuff like going into like the rookie draft this year was a as a sleeper. So, have you any thoughts on Cam? Uh, I think he's played a blinder. 
Um, I think I think this is a great move for him. Um, the Miami fans and Mario Cristobal in particular will be delighted to move on from Tyler Van Dyke. Um, and I think he's got a great opportunity to showcase himself. Um, I think they'll fancy a run at the ATT title this year. And um, yeah, he, he, like you say, he's, he's in the perfect top, you know, position to to only boost his draft stock in in a in a class that's not looking the strongest. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's a win win for him. To be fair, I think it's a great move. Jack, any thoughts on uh, Cam Ward before we move on to our final quarterback? Yeah, I was surprised that he was even transferring from washington state like when uh he 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 went there and started this year and and started to get some good reps and the team it seems to be on an upward trajectory so i was surprised when he declared for the nfl because i didn't think he was going to even get day two draft capital he seemed a million miles away from being an nfl ready prospect so uh going to miami who needs this to work out Mario Cristobal needs this gamble to work out, I think, to save his his job there at, at the Hurricanes. I think this is a great opportunity for Cam Ward to be a bit more in the spotlight as well. Miami is a huge college for college football and, and uh, significant in American history. So I think it's a good move for him. I would probably be looking to sell him as a Devi asset now because I'm not certain it's going to work out for him. Uh, I'd rather play it safe with someone like Cam Ward and, and sell him now if someone's willing to buy the NFL second round, maybe first round hype that, that could come. But I'm definitely excited to watch it. Yeah, I think um, Phil mentioned it on the the last uh, the first episode we did about having your Devi goggles on, and I think he is one of them players for me that's like it's hard to get off because I kind of like believe in him. I'd like when he came, because obviously I, I not anymore, unfortunately, but we won't get into that. Like um, going forward, but like I was a Pac-12 guy, and when he came over, I was really impressed with him and kind of got on the hype train early on, and kind of had trying to get off it you know thinking like exactly what jack says as in like oh it might be a good time to trade but when you've been in love with someone so much you've got to try and find that middle ground to like think is he is he a guy that you think we rather than showing the love that you've shown for the viewers is it time to get off him but the, the industry love him obviously per on free and stuff he was ranked as the number one transfer portal quarterback before um julian sane came in you know transferred the transfer portal late he was number one so obviously he's highly thought of so yeah, um, if if you want, it's probably a good time to get some value for him if you if you don't believe in him because like you could use stuff like that to your advantage, you know, and uh, probably get a decent decent return for him. And um, yeah, so the final quarterback, Phil, another one that's this is this seems like a really good transfer. Yeah, I certainly think so. So I, I thought I'd bring up Riley Leonard, uh, who's moving from Duke to Notre Dame. Um, He's heading there to replace Sam Hartman, who's, you know, after his senior bowl kind of week is now looking very much like a UDFA. Um, but, you know, it's a big opportunity for, for Leonard. He, he's had a couple of really, really strong seasons at Duke. Um, you know, in 2022, he's had two seasons there as a starter. He's kind of turned around their, you know, a, what was an awful program. Um you know, in 2021, he led them to a, a massive season in 22 uh, in 2022, and then last year 
you know, hampered by injury. Um, he only played in seven games last year, but he, he had a kind of massive opening day um, win over Clemson, which kind of was huge for him and huge for the programme in kind of bringing them back to national prominence. It was the first time they'd been ranked inside the top 25 uh, since the mid-90s. Um, and he was he was a massive part of it. Ironically, he kind of he picked up his injury last season against Notre Dame and then kind of literally hobbled him hobbled his way to the end of the season. Um, you know, he's for, for for me, like going going to Notre Dame, he's he's got an opportunity to try and boost that draft stock. I think similar to Cam Ward, he's fluctuating depending on um who you listen to as to whether he's gonna be a day one guy, a day two guy. Um, and you know, moving to Notre Dame gives him a great opportunity to put himself in the window to be, um, you know, and work his way into round one consideration. Um, he's, he's fun to watch, he's really fun to watch. That That's the kind of other thing for me. He's still kind of viewed, I think, more as a, as a dual threat than an out and out quarterback. Um, you know, and he's he's got he's got things that he needs to work on, no doubt about it. Like he's he's prone to some ridiculous misses, like that. You know, he'll he'll kind of two, three, four players on the bounce. You think this guy's got it. Look at him go, and then he does something crazy. And you think, well, where did that come from? Um, you know, he's he's got to trust himself a little bit more. Um, he has a tendency to kind of hesitate um, when he doesn't see what he wants to see straight away, uh, which leads to him taking more sacks than he perhaps needs to. Um, but he's in a good place to learn and he's in a good place to, um, yeah, take those steps. And I think the future is bright for him. Yeah, he's, um, that's one thing when I've watched his, i watched Duke over the last few years and stuff. He's um, just, it's just his consistency. He's got the tools to be a good passer at the next level, you know, like, you know, just going through his reads and stuff. It's just sometimes just a little bit off, but like you say, he's in a good place. Like you mentioned the exciting, you know, excitement when you're watching him and stuff like as a dual threat you know he's, he's a big guy but the way he moves is, is is really really good you know kind of reminds me of like um like like a russell wilson josh allen and stuff like you know runner and stuff where he's like big bodied guy but just seems to really get the, those yards in and, and make people miss you know he's, he's got he's got a bit of an acceleration on him as well there uh, uh, jack yeah he's a he's a big guy and I really love the landing spot because we saw last year that Notre Dame can adapt to a passing, a pass heavy quarterback or Sam Hartman certainly loved to throw the ball more than uh, maybe Notre Dame have done in the last four or five years. I think Riley Leonard is probably going to be an even better balance for that offense and for what that school want to do. Um, and I think he's he's in a perfect position to build on where his draft stock was before the injury. I think he was a fringe first round, early second round kind of talent at that point. And I think we were all quite excited to see how the rest of the season went. So to give him one more year, I don't think he really had a choice after that kind of injury. He's got to go back to college and he's got to show that he can get back to that level. And I think, I hope... That we get to see that. Yeah, did you want to add something, Phil? Just sorry, I jumped on the chat. Yeah, I was just um, I was just going to say, like he, he's the, the the move to Notre Dame kind of took me by surprise a little bit. I think I think Jack's right in kind of what he says. Like 
it is a really, really good move for him. Um, it, I didn't realise until I, I kind of looked up, um, you know, just a little bit of kind of more information, try and find a couple of stats and things like that. I didn't realise that he's actually a legacy transfer and that um, it was a family thing that kind of might have been the kind of final tip in the scales, particularly when you talk about some of the other jobs that were open. Like, I think we always forget for these guys, like that kind of family link and that um, that bond of going back and 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 kind of carrying on that legacy is massive to them, isn't it? And uh, it, it appears that it's it's been part of the decision-making process this time. Yeah, so it's a good call. You, you get like, obviously just normal recruits coming out of high school where like normally if they've got a link to, to the like the father or, or any relation stuff, it seems high percentage-wise that they end up either going there as a recruit or finding the way back there <laughs> if it's through the transfer portal it's always something to watch going forward and uh yeah so yeah quarterbacks like i said there's many more quarterbacks that have transferred and stuff they're just like free like different types of quarterbacks as well different types of like like rounds where you take them in debbie startups and things things like that to talk about but um going on to running backs one guy that will be going very high fill <laughs> who some people have got him as the as the number one who transferred out yeah um i mentioned him um when when ali dropped his question for us in the in the Debbie mailbox last time um like quinshawn judkins uh moving from Ole miss to ohio state um jack's kind of fist pumping again um absolutely delighted at that um listen i i just felt like in you know we don't talk well i've not talked enough about him and it's one of my favorite things to do talk about quinchon judkins I, I love him as a player um so just to kind of set the table as to why i think this is such a big transfer um he was a first team all sec running back last year um and i, I it just goes to show that he was only a three-star recruit which so for as, as good as these recruiting services are like they don't always get it bob on. He didn't even crack ESPN's top 300. Um, you know, he somehow snuck out of state past Alabama and Darwin and ended up at Ole Miss. Like, and it, it just goes to show that people, you know, even, even the kind of people in the pro game and the college scouting game, they don't get it right first time. Um, and, you know, he, he's gone on to be an absolute phenomenon. He's, he's the first player in the SEC since Herschel Walker to score 15 touchdowns in, or more in back-to-back -back seasons. Um, he's just racked up records after record after record. And it it kind of begged the question, like, why why is he leaving? He's got he's got Lane Kiff in there. Um, Ole Miz have done some really good things in the transfer portal himself. So, like, why didn't he want to stay? And I think it's actually, like, a really smart business decision on his part. Um He's he's rushed the ball like a ridiculous amount of times. Um in in 2022, and um he kind of carried it for almost 250 carries. Last year it was up to 271 carries. And maybe he's just tired of being worked like a dog. Like um we, we talked last time about like the opportunity to spell him and balance him with Trevion Henderson. And I think it might be a really, really smart business uh, like business decision for him to make that move. If they can spell each other and he can he can showcase himself being fresh and at his absolute best, um, you know, he's he's got the opportunity to really kind of excel his draft stock. Um he I mean, it, 
it's Dan's to reason he's, he's rushed that many times. Like everyone will be the first to point out his, his stats dropped massively last season. Um, he kind of went down from uh, 5.71 yards a carry to 4.2 yards a carry. Like that is a massive, massive drop in his efficiency on, you know, roughly the same amount of carries, but it's probably because the poor kid was knackered. Um, and I just feel like he's done a great, you know, he's made a great decision um, moving to a program where he won't be expected uh, to be the guy every down. And um, yeah, spelling him right could just be brilliant for um, his draft stock. Yeah, he's, uh, last, uh, you mentioned his uh, form and stuff. He didn't help his offensive line was quite suspect at times for Ole Miss as well. Uh, I remember like in 20, like say 2022 was a true freshman, Zach Evans transferred over and you thought Zach Evans is going to be the main guy for, for Ole Miss and then this guy called Quinshawn Junkins, a free, like you mentioned, a freestyle came out and kept taking the carries off after about week four or five. Zach Evans was like, who is this kid? Freestyle, freestyle guy. But yeah, he ends up being the main guy. But you make good points there with sharing the backfield, you know, like he was the workhorse over there. Jack, as soon as you're the Ohio State guy, how does this, like obviously Quinchon Judkins is normally taken, I've seen a few startups this this time around and stuff like, and Quinchon Judkins seems like the number one running back off the board most of the times. How does this affect Quinchon Judkins and Travion Henderson, another guy there, you know, like draft, you know, the Devi stock? Like, is, is this a big blow for Travion or is it, is it, are we, are we getting, They'll be putting too much pressure on it and it's, it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah, well, from a pure footballing perspective, I am <laughs> delighted and I think it is the perfect decision. I couldn't have chosen anywhere better to play his probably final year of college football. Um, now, I think Quinchon Jenkins and Trevion Henderson have quite different skill sets. They're both top Devi talents and top NFL prospects. But I think they will complement each other really well. Quinshon Judkins is a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier. He, as Phil has said, he's a bit of a bruiser. Uh, and he will run through and over linebackers like they're not even there. Trevion Henderson is quicker, a little bit fleeter footed. He's got a little bit more wiggle to him as well. So I think these backs will complement each other really well in an offense that is looking to run the ball a lot better than it has over the last two to three years. Ohio State have uh, turned over the running back room, really, with Quinshon Judkins coming in. Dallin Hayden is the redshirt sophomore who played four games and looked incredible in those four games last season. Uh, so keeping all three of them happy is going to be a task. But I think, like Phil said, that means they're going to share that backfield that's going to keep some some tread off the tyres for Quinchon Judkins and allow him to still demonstrate his incredible potential and his incredible skill set at a school that's going to be in the national spotlight a lot this year. And one thing with college football changing to a 12 12 team playoff this season there's going to be more games there's going to be more need for a deeper running back room across every school so i think as long as 
Judkins and Henderson both knew that they were both going to be sticking around, I think this is a great move. And there's no, I don't think there's a downside to to Judkins' Devi prospects in the fact that he'll be sharing a, a room. For college fantasy football, it is a bit of a heartbreaker. And uh, I don't think I'll be taking either of them outside of the sixth or seventh round. But um, that's just a pain I'll have to live with. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's like you say, it's, um, it's 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 great for you. Obviously, you've got Will Howard, another quarterback, um, that transferred for out that's come to Ohio State. So it's definitely a, a team that I'll be keeping an eye on on next year. Ohio State have got some um, good offensive weapons there, and and you'll be wanting them to get to the um, to the playoffs. Otherwise, well, I don't want to say it, but Ryan Day could be under a bit of pressure there. <laughs> but I think I think you'll be fine. I think I think you you will be there. We might as well stick with you, Jack, and move on to another another top running back, which was I don't know if it was a surprise, like that he transferred out, and as soon as he did hit the transfer portal, everyone seemed to know where we're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there was no surprises. It was telegraphed, wasn't it? So Trevor Etienne gave us a great Christmas gift with um I don't know if you saw the image going round of the guy whose wife bought him a. Uh, Florida Gators Trevor Etienne jersey for Christmas. Opened that a couple of days after he had transferred to Georgia, which certainly put a smile on my face over Christmas. Um, but yeah, this, so Trevor Etienne, if you don't know him by himself, you might recognize the surname. Travis is currently on the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL and had an excellent fantasy season, uh, his best by a long way this year. And Trevor has crossed the um crossed the borderline of one of the fiercest rivalries in college he's going across the cocktail party from florida to georgia and that takes a lot of balls to make that move he has gone from a hero to an absolute villain as far as any florida fan is concerned but um in terms of his Devi prospects, I think this is a really good move. It's uh, Trevor Eaton is a is a going into his junior season, so he'll be in his theoretically final year of of college football before he can declare for the NFL draft. He's got incredible vision and patience. He can see the field really well, and he can read his linemen and and opposition linemen pretty well. Um, allowing him to to find the gaps and make the cuts that he wants to, as well as following obviously the playbook that that he is given. He's got good footwork as well, but his most impressive attribute is his contact balance. He's not the biggest, certainly in terms of height. He's he's five eleven, I believe, but his yards after contact they're just always there. You just see him working through contact and being really really tough to bring down. And I think he, similar to Quinchon Judkins, is going to go somewhere where he's going to get a little bit less tread on the tyres. Now, he, he wasn't a, a three-down back at Florida either. Let's not pretend that he was a workhorse like Judkins was. But he definitely won't be in Georgia either. He's going into Kirby Smart's offence, which is one of the best in, in college. Let's remember that they, are, they were going for a, a third title in a row this season and 
it is a system that will fine tune Trevor Etienne's running back qualities and skills. And Georgia turns out well-rounded running backs. So if you can see some faults in Trevor Etienne's game, I would say his pass protection is quite severely lacking. He's at the perfect place to fine tune that and upskill in the areas that the NFL is going to be looking at with eagle eyes. So I think it's it's a really good move for him. I think he's going to be um, have some fresher legs. He's going to be successful and effective in that committee because Georgia run the ball really well. They have a really good running game, kind of regardless who the running back is. But then you also look at the pedigree of, of NFL running backs that they do churn out. You've got Chubb, Sony Michelle, DeAndre Swift. Todd Gurley was an absolute fancy football monster until his knee couldn't take it anymore and james cook is coming good at buffalo and zamir white even is is you know he's rostered everywhere he was winning people some leagues at the end of last season with josh jacobs out for a little bit and um i think this is a good move and i think georgia is a perfect place for any running back if they want you i think you should go yeah, is is uh, like you mentioned, you went for the Georgia running backs there. They've, they've turned out some um, real good ones in the NFL. I think this guy's going to be the next big one. We've obviously a couple of guys. I think Milton and um, uh, De Dejan Edwards wanted that they've obviously left the NFL and stuff, but not as the same caliber as, as the one mentioned. And this guy is is in that caliber. You know, when he goes over, you know, he's like you say, they do share the back. They will share the backfield field, but he's. There was, there was no doubt anyway, but there's definitely no doubt this guy's going to be the number one who's taking most most of the, of the snaps. But you've got Branson Robinson there, and 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 Andrew Paul got injured, didn't he? But I think he should be back for 2024. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he will be back. So they've got a really good running back room there. But yeah, it's um, do, do you play Georgia this year, Phil? Do do Bama play Georgia? I think they do, don't they? Oh, we do, we do, <laughs> and um, it, you know, we'll. It'll be what it always is. Um, it's a different type of game. I think it's one of those where you can throw a form out the window um, and just put your tin hat on and go for it and go to war, don't you? Um, and the thing, the thing I like about Trevor Etienne is like the the reports that from the day that he stepped uh, into Florida, like it's it's he already carries himself like a pro. He's surrounded himself um, with with professionals he trains with his brother and a whole host of nfl stars throughout the off season and he's you know he's, he's got that mindset already he's, he's got that kind of um attitude he understands what it's about and what it's going to take for him to actually get to the top and um yeah i've i've, I've no doubt this will be a fine move for him and a pain in the ass for everyone who follows sec teams yeah definitely and so yeah and Another up there with Quinchon Judkins, no one that's um, top tier running back who will go very high in, in um, Debbie startups. And definitely a guy I feel like after this season that a lot of people will be wanting to acquire in, in Debbie leagues, you know, before they get into the NFL. So my running back's very, very different. And it's, you can be classed as a homer pick if you want. But I just wanted to like shed a bit of light on some in a different way, like especially. If, you, if you're in deeper leagues and um, it's it's Jonah Coleman, a lot of people probably won't know who he is. He's, he's moved from Arizona to Washington, flowed Jed Fish up from 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 there and stuff to, to and they will be playing in the Big Ten, so he'll have a lot of eyes on him 
on actually here's another one who was only a three-star running back and this is going into his, his junior year but he's improved over the last two years and he's a i think he ended up with 800 yards but what was really impressive and stuff he didn't have like he, he wasn't like them he had the most carries but he didn't share the backfield but he was like by far the best the, be, the best running back um i think he was averaging 6.8 yards a carry which is pretty, pretty impressive for a running back i think phil i mentioned the bruiser this this is what he is but he, he he's not going to kill you with breakaway speed but he's got good agility he's, he can he can wiggle get out of like tight situations and and get those gains and what what's what's really impressive about him is is he always seems to get positive yards. He never really gets knocked backwards. He'll always get you three or four yards, and that seems to be like worst case. But I brought him up because like he's one of them where we mentioned tactics last week, and if you're in deeper, deeper Devi leagues where you've got like six rounds plus Devis, people like this is what I like to target. You know, like later running rounds who look like they've got the NFL size. You know, this guy is um, he's five nine, two hundred twenty five pounds, which is what I like in a running back, you know, everyone might be a bit, feel a bit different, but yeah, it's, it's a really good size, especially if you've got, you've got a bit of um, speed, speed and agility. And so if you can target people like this, you know, pick, pick your wide receivers, pick your quarterbacks early. People like Jonah Coleman, a, a really good pickups later up. Cause what's good about running backs is the wolf. Usually most of them find a home in the NFL. And we've seen this year where you've got, People are undrafted free agents, people going in around six and seven in the NFL draft that can come onto a team and, and, and do a job, you know, and sometimes stick it out and end up having a start up going forward. So, yeah, obviously it was a bit of a homework pick as well, just to throw him out there and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I wanted to bring it up just to target running backs later. Like if you are in deeper ones, you know, there's plenty of other guys out there as well. But this guy is like one that's getting a bit of a buzz, you know, from other people in the community as well. You know, I think this year has really stepped up and people like look at him and like say with the college realignment going on in the conferences you know he's, he's going to get a lot more eyes on him this year and we saw um obviously like i say it's different with deborah going to alabama it's different but obviously what they did this year with um the running backs you know they put more eyes on him but i think this guy could be i put planting my flag on him earlier so i think he could be a bit of a star going forward you know like after this season it's a case of uh, loyalty is dead, but long live loyalty as he uh, ditches Arizona, but he follows his coach. And I think that is key for him, that he is he's going along with his head coach from Arizona. He knows what kind of system is going to be played, and, and he's probably going to be the main guy, even though he's walking into a backfield, uh, into, a, into a running back room. There are still a couple of pieces there, but he's probably going to be the alpha in that room. Yeah, I just think it's really interesting. Like you, you said, George, like some people like to target running backs later um, rather than kind of going for the studs. You can find uh, running backs uh, who get drafted day two, day three. And I've not seen loads of Jonah Coleman, but one of the players like that immediately jumps to mind and like people who only watch the NFL might go, oh, right, okay. But he reminds me of an Alex Matteson. And when you go back and watch what Alex Matteson did in college, you're right that yards after, you know, the, the kind of yards he makes after contact and grinding out those difficult runs is what got him picked up by the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, th that is a, exactly the same kind of pathway and trajectory 
you could see a player like Jonah Coleman, like taking, landing on a roster uh, in the hope that if he gets a sniff of a job, he can make it his own. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it, I think sometimes like people want to go for the flashy five-star guys and stuff, which rightfully so, especially if they haven't stepped foot on a college field, you know, you, you want to chaff these guys in the hope of that they'll do something. But like you say, you mentioned Quinchon Judkins was a three-star guy that no one knew. No one would draft him when they first when they first came into the league. But like obviously, once you've seen a few, you know, you've seen a bit of him on the field, it's like people that you might want to pick up. And also, you don't even have to maybe like pick him up if you think you can like wait until later on. But like if you really believe in a guy, you believe in your gut, go pick them up before they get to the rookie draft because if they do have a good year, especially in the junior year, if they do have a good year, then everyone's going to be on them and stuff and everything. So you've, and you've probably missed your chance, but. Yeah, it's it's just something I wanted to highlight, like going forward and wide receivers. A guy Jack who doesn't need much highlight all his um, the, out of the 2022 uh, 2022 um, recruiting class. There was two guys wide receivers who were neck and neck. I'd say you know something like like you swing either way, but this guy transferred out is definitely one of my favourites. Yeah, this is low hanging fruit to choose to talk about Evan Stewart. I mentioned him on the last the last podcast, but uh, I mean everybody is talking about him and has been since he entered college because he was such a high recruit for Texas A and M, and he has played really well at Texas A and M and shown what he is all about, despite some chaos in the coaching ranks as he's been there, some chaos in the. Um, booster room and everything that comes with Texas A&M football and he has transferred to Oregon to an offense that we have just seen really take massive strides forward in the last year two years to give to give them credit and I think it's a, a really fun move for Evan Stewart and really positive one for his his Derby stock I I don't think that Connor Wagman and the Texas A&M offense suits a superstar wide receiver in the same way that Dan Lanning's offense at Oregon is going to. Troy Franklin is getting huge buzz for the 2024 NFL draft with lots of mocks taking him in the first round in the top, top 15 picks. But he wasn't someone who had that kind of caliber two years ago and I think that Dan Lanning's system really lends itself to um, highlighting the strengths of a wide receiver now there's a there's an asterisk to this in that you would love the wide receiver to be going into a system where the quarterback is already established but um, Evan Stewart is going to have fellow transfer Dylan Gabriel throwing him the ball now I don't I don't really have any doubts that Gabriel can pick up the Oregon offense and he is a three-year starter he is a confident guy I think he is a very talented quarterback so I don't have any really high concerns that this won't work out because of the quarterback but it will be really great if it does work out and they both gel really quickly in a new offense in a new school but under a a really well-established offensive scheme yeah, what what like I say, I was I was 
quite high in Evan Stewart when he first came out. But what impressed me, especially last year, was when Conor Wagman went went down injured after like game three or four. He's still like, even though it was a struggle for the offense, like you mentioned, you know, with the quarterbacks from Max Johnson and things like that, he, he was still like the main guy, you know, like which was impressive, especially like like especially throws where like underthrown and stuff. He seemed to like because he's not the tall, he's not the biggest like wide receiver and stuff, but his contested catches still looks really good like like he's got electric elastic arms somewhere he comes down with the ball he's really impressive but like i say he's going to go into a into a into a you know a team you know with dan lanning who's really long to run that run that offense and stuff you know so it's going to be um i think it's a i think it's a good move i, I, I can't see how it I can't see how it fails over there to be honest with you i don't know if you're in agreement with that phil I'd, I've got nothing more to add. I'd, I love him, um, and you know, again, you talk about talk about smart decisions where you're just going to get the opportunity to. I don't think he's got a great deal left to have to showcase, right? But he's going to go there, um, fill that gap that Troy Franklin's left. He's going to get plenty of target share. He's going to get a chance to. Um, you know, really, really put himself out there and and see what he can do to separate himself amongst that kind of cluster of that top two or three in that class with uh, Ted McMillan and uh, Luther Burden. You know, they're, they're all going to carry that chip and think they're the number one guy. And I think he's going into a really good situation to let him show case his kind of claim for that title. Yeah, I was hoping um, you mentioned Tech McMillan. I was hoping I could have used him to chance to Washington, but he decided to stay at Arizona annoyingly. <laughs> Not for Jed Fish, but we'll leave that one. Um, yeah, moving on to my pick for wide receiver, it's um, Matthew Golden, who um, transferred out from Houston to, to Texas, and this is interesting for for a couple of reasons. Really, obviously, this it were a four star recruit from the twenty twenty two class. Um, I think he was top twenty five receiver, maybe, maybe 25, 24, You know, like in most. Um, recruiting um, sites so he wasn't someone that was like massively on the radar but then I remember a lot of people like mentioning him on social media you know like a lot of Devi sites were mentioning him so obviously a lot of people go oh let's have a look at Matthew Golden he's been getting a lot of name and a lot of um, mentioned and um, yeah he, he looked like someone that's like he could be a, a guy going forward I took him in a few leagues but but it was like 10 rounds you know like later on in 8, 9, 10 region because he's a four-star guy you know take a chance on him and his true freshman season he put up decent numbers 584 yards you know and that were alongside tank dell when tank dell were there and he had like 1300 and stuff so it wasn't wasn't a bad true freshman season struggled last year still managed to put up decent numbers but struggled like when clayton tune went off to the nfl but i think it was donovan smith i think um, um struggled under the offense there i think they were ranked in the lower half with like, yards per game but still put up um decent numbers i think um it had a had a bit of a drop off but but not i think like 100 200 less than 500 last year but what's interesting about matthew golden obviously he's going to go over to texas you know steve sarkusian offense and we've seen what um the guys that have come out to the nfl this year xavier worthy was there as a recruit but obviously ad mitchell came from georgia you know and had a really good year this year being able to showcase obviously had an injury last year at, at georgia but the year before didn't look like it. he felt like he maybe needed to move to somewhere like texas to showcase what he can do as a wide receiver and obviously he's done that brilliantly and we've seen what um guys are talking about him as like 
a second second round guy, but could see himself like there is talk for going in the first round. I'm not sure about that, but it just just the talk in general just shows you what he's done for his draft stock. And I think, like I say, Matthew Golden, it's a really good move there. Quinn Ewers staying there as well, established quarterback. You know, we think that's what it's going to be. I know, I know, Hatch Manning's there, but it just feel like Quinn Ewers is still going to be the guy unless we unless we see something going forward where it changes. But going into a solid solid room. You know, like there where a lot of wide receivers, Sanders has gone the tight end. So there's enough there for him to to really propel his Debbie stock, you know, have a good year at Texas. Um, yeah, Phil. And I know as an Alabama, you don't want to talk much about Texas, but it's no. there. No, <laughs> uh, not particularly. No, listen, I think it's a good move for him. It's a, it's a smart move. I think he's really, really underrated um, as a kind of red zone target. Like when, when you watch... Um, he's kind of um, deep shoulder fades and things like that. He's he's a talented guy and he's, he's a weapon that Quinn Ewers can really utilise as, as they kind of uh, get closer to the goal line in and around the red zone. Um, he, he's, he's got some versatility. He didn't do it loads at Houston, um, but he can line up inside or outside. Um, you know, I, I don't think it would be unrealistic to see him kind of getting some jet sweeps and fly motion type things going on as well. Um, he's, he's good in that facet of the game. And he's, he's just an interesting wrinkle for them to add. You know, they're another team that are losing um, big-time talent in Worthy and Mitchell. And, you know, it needs replacing. And between Matthew Golden, Isaiah Bond, um, you know, they've done a good job of restocking that room. Yeah, like I say, I mean, I'm really good. You know, they've got um, Isaiah Bond as well, which you forget about, which we, we could have easily talked about, you know, him moving over there. Um, yeah, any anything to add there, Jack, on um, Matthew Golden? Yeah, I, well, the main thing for me is that wide receiver room or that receiving core, and I'm actually, actually quite devastated that all of these guys have decided to go to Texas. Like, great, great for Texas. Probably good for someone like Matthew Golden, who offers something a little bit different to maybe who's already in the room. But uh, I absolutely adore John T. Cook. And with Azar Bond coming in, I think Amari Niblack has, has gone across from Alabama as well. Silas Bolden, who I think is quite underrated, um, coming over from Oregon State. I think that room is quite crowded. So I am nervous maybe for all of the all of the receiving core in Texas. Um, but I think this is a great move for Matty Golden. I think there are a few a couple of them that are gonna really regret transferring to Texas though. I think the next guy I want who makes a very good move, I think, um, into a, a stable um, offense and stuff, you know, with um, the next guy, Phil. Yeah, um, listen, this is this is so on brand for me to talk about this player. Um, he's he's one of my absolute favourites in all of college football. Um, Antoine Juice Wells. Um, he's moving from South Carolina to Ole Miss. He's going to go join Lane Kiffin in Oxford, and uh, I think it's a, a smashing move for him. I just kind of like we we talked, didn't we? And I know you've already mentioned it tonight, Jordan. We mentioned it on the last show about your your kind of Devi lenses. Sometimes you just fall for the story as well. And like just just to set the scene, like imagine imagine finishing high school like with your hopes of playing football and not receiving a single scholarship offer anywhere, um, and thinking, right, okay, what's next? 
like so many people at that point would have just stopped. Um, but he ended up playing at um, Fork Union Military Academy, like out in the middle of nowhere in Virginia, um, you know, because they had a football scholarship. And it was it was like that kind of one hook and that one chance he had to kind of stay involved and, you know, keep that dream alive, so to speak. And obviously, you know, it soon became apparent that he was far too good for that standard of football. And his next stop was James Madison and the FCS. And he absolutely tore it up. He was an absolute beast at that level in 2021. Um, you know, even then. So, it's, you know, we're going all the way back to 2021. He's an older prospect. Um but he broke all the kind of school's single season records in any kind of major receiving category at JMU. And, you know, it, it was clear, like, and this, I suppose, is where the transfer portal is kind of really key in the changes that have made uh, have been made over the last couple of years, like for players like Wells, because there was then that opportunity for him to um, move to the SEC and kind of put his skill set on a grander, uh, grander stage and, and kind of really show off... Um, how far he's come and he he had a great, great year in 2022. The the step up didn't look big for him at all. Um, he became kind of quit Quinn Ewers, excuse me, Spencer Rattler's go-to guy. Um, and he almost cracked a thousand receiving yards in that first season, um, as well as scoring six touchdowns. And I was super, super convinced that he was gonna be up there this year in that conversation with your Malik neighbours, Roma Dunzes, um, in that kind of first batch of receivers, because I'm, I'm absolutely sold on him and his skill set. And then he just had a season absolutely ravaged by injury. Um, niggles, knocks, and then, you know, eventually he succumbed and they kind of shut him down for the season. And he, he declared early that he was going to return to college. Um, you know, he he kind of said, I think it was mid-November, he said, listen, I'm, I'm coming back one more year. Um, and it was just a matter of where. And with Spencer Rattler moving on, I think he decided it would be a good opportunity for him to move to. Um, and so he's going to go play in Oxford for Lane Kiffin. And I, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great move for him. Between him and Trey Harris, I think they've got a couple of nice receivers this year. Um, and yeah, I, I really want him. I, I'm so sold on the story. I'm so sold on him and his skill set. He's kind of, as a long-time Baltimore Ravens fan, he's the exact type of receiver we've never been able to draft. Like, yeah, in, in recent years, you know, you can talk about your Hollywood Browns. You can talk about Zay Flowers, who's had a great first year. We have never drafted well that kind of alpha, proper, stereotypical uh, ex-receiver. Um, that big kind of contested catch guy. And he he's just like, for me, like he's the pinnacle of like what we should be kind of trying to draft. Um, and I just hope that, I hope that he gets his shot this year. I hope he stays injury free um, because he can't have a lot of eligibility left. Um, and I hope that he gets the draft capital and, and lands in the league somewhere that will you know, value his skill set. Yeah, so um, like I say, you mentioned um, Spencer out of there. Obviously, with him moving in, he probably had one eye thinking, as like I said, as an older older guy, not 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 ridiculously old, but like an older with not many years left. Where can I, where can I situate myself to put my what my stock going into the NFL draft next year as as, as obviously as far up as I can, and obviously settling in a place like Ole Miss. You know, like I say, with 
settled quarterback in Jackson Dart, settled um, coaching staff there, you know, settled, like like I say, you've got Trey Harris there, you've got sort of Jordan Watkins, you know, it's, it's, it's a good room to be in and I think um, he's, he's going to get his fair share of tight, like I say, touch wood, he stays injury free and he can he can really like boost his stock because he is, he is a talent. I mean, he, he had he had that tiny, tiny sniff of action against Georgia uh, this year where like, I'd, he'd, he'd kind of been warming up to that point. He'd, he'd missed a couple of games and they, they played him against Georgia and early on, South Carolina kind of blew the doors off the Bulldogs. Like, Georgia were a little bit taken aback, like, whoa, we weren't expecting this. And um, you, you go and find it on YouTube. Like, his touchdown in that game just showcased everything he's about and that was his last play of the season like he, he went off after that play like clearly aggravating whatever injury it was he'd been carrying and that was it they shut him down from there but if, if you just kind of want to see like what the guy's about that play was something special against arguably the best defense in the country jack before we move on to a new segment is Anything let's say about Anton Wells, or has it all been covered? <laughs> I, I think it's all been covered. He's uh, he's someone that maybe if you so if you're new to Devi, you've probably not heard much about him because of his uh, his history of, of of not being recruited and and being at smaller schools. But like Phil mentioned earlier, this is a really good business decision. He's putting himself in a great position to. Uh, get some more eyes on him to go into Lane Kiffin's pass-happy offence with a quarterback who's really comfortable and talented. Like, I really like Jackson Dart. So, wheels up for, for Juice. So, moving on to our last little last little segment. It's something that I've introduced that we'll, we'll do going forward um, to, to avoid... Um, trademark complications we've uh, called it a little bit something different instead of a famous website it's called sell keep acquire so we're all going to pick a player to which we took it can be this we can all be sell one week if we wanted to but we've we've um we've all picked players and we'll start with you jack uh how are you going about this yeah so i didn't realize we could have the same so i was left with keep because <laughs> i was obviously last to prepare um but that is absolutely fine because Quinn Ewers is the player that I want, I will be keeping hold of. I think I can say that and not infringe copyright. <laughs> so Quinn Ewers is someone who, uh, as a stock, he is, he is someone that you want to hold. When you talk about Devi stocks, as Phil mentioned really well last time, this is someone who you have to take all the emotion out of and think about where is his value. And his value is nowhere near where it was when you picked Quinn Ewers because you will have picked Quinn Ewers with first, second or third pick in your Devi draft because he was the highest rated quarterback prospect ever. And he went to Ohio State and then Texas and the buzz just never died throughout his first year and a half of, of college football because he didn't, he didn't play any and your stock can't really go down when you're not playing, if you're that talented a, a, a prospect. Um, but it's also, his stock has dropped from there since playing. And I think some of that is to do with his mechanics and some of it is majorly due to his injury that he had that made him miss a good chunk of last season. Now, 
I definitely want to hold Quinua stock because Texas do look, and you will hate me for saying this, they look like they're back. And under Sarkeesian, in a system that really favours the quarterback, in a quarterback room where there is competition from Arch Manning, but not really a threat, I think that's the perfect kind of, that's what you want from a quarterback room. You want to be the guy that's being pushed by the guy behind you, knowing that actually this is still your room, which I think is the case for Quinn Ewers. I don't think Arch Manning is is going to challenge for the starting job this year, whatever the coaches say in spring. With a 12-team playoff, with Texas moving to the SEC, there is so much buzz around Texas football and therefore Quinn Ewers. And I think his stock is going to keep going up and keep going up, even in the off-season before, before he plays a snap. And I looked at Texas' opening schedule. So bear in mind, they've gone to the SEC, which is supposed to be the toughest conference, and therefore this is going to be a baptism of fire for Quinn Ewers. But he has Colorado State, Michigan, who obviously national champions. <laughs> Um, but they are not that they are not going to be that same team. They don't have their their coaching staff is getting stripped, and their players have gone to the NFL. Uh, Texas play they play UTSA, Louisiana Monroe, Mississippi State. That's a really nice start to your first season in the SEC. Then they have Oklahoma, who I think Texas will beat. Then they get Georgia at home they get florida at home and they get kentucky at home they're three toughest games on the schedule they get all at home and i think this is just going to bring more eyes on quinn Ewers. and so his stock could go either way he could go up he could go down and so i am holding him and if he has a great first six games of the season i'll sell him then if he has that game against georgia and he shows some promise like he did this year in the big games then his stock is going to shoot real, real high in a quarterback class that has just so many question marks over it. He could be, he could easily be the first quarterback taken in the 25 draft. So I'm holding him for now, but I'm looking to sell. Yeah, cheers, Jack. I think um, uh, before I move on to, to Phil, I think it's a bit similar to Spencer Rattler, where he's obviously dipped off and you thought, well, I might as well hold him because I'm not really getting much off. It's probably a great time to sell him if you want to get off him now after after his um, exploits at Senior Bowl. So, yeah, it could, could be a similar thing to that. Um, Phil, I obviously did not tell you the rules either that you could have the same thing, but so we've all gone somewhat separate. But next next week, we, we, we can we can do what we want. So, who you chose, Phil? No worries. Well, I mean, listen, I, I made this really bold claim um, kind of November time. Um on on our x feed um and people didn't quite come at me with the pitchforks but it definitely raised some eyebrows um i'm i'm selling nicholas singleton um penn state running back um listen the the likelihood is you drafted him high right i get it um and he, he was he touted as this absolute phenom um, and he was going to be he was going to be Devi RB one for all three years that he was a college player. He was going to be out in three and into the league. 
you know, first round running back, which obviously is quite a rare commodity these days. And right now he doesn't even look like, never mind 20, 2025 running back one. He doesn't even look like running back one on his own team. Um, and, you know, the, 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 again, we talked about the drop-off with Quinshawn Judkins earlier. The drop-off between year one and year two for Nicholas Singleton was massive. Um, he's gone from 1,061 yards on 156 carries at 6.8 yards per clip um, to 752 yards on uh, 170 carries down to 4.4 yards. It's a staggering drop-off. Like, all that time, he's he's not been the workhorse that Judkins was. He's been spelled with the very talented Catron Allen. Um, you know, it was a real coup for Penn State to get the pair of them at the same time because um, you've got this physical kind of specimen in Singleton. You've got the kind of well-rounded back that came from IMG in Catron Allen. Um, and they were supposed to complement each other. And, and to a certain extent, they do. But whereas Singleton's efficiency has dipped massively, um, Catron Allen has remained dynamic. He's he's averaged 5.2 yards per carry both seasons. And it, it just screams to me right now, like particularly when you watch the tape on Singleton, like, yeah, Penn State's O-line last year was awful. Um, but there's only so many times I can watch a prospected and a touted like day one running back run into the back of his own offensive line. Like he seemed to have real like issues with which gap am I taking? Like, what is the lane I'm going for? Um, and yeah, listen, like anybody watching this, if you have Nick Singleton, you are at an advantage because you're watching this. Like, and you're going to hear this advice, sell him high. Like your league mates who aren't quite as invested as you will still pounce on the name value. And I think, I think this is an ideal time to get out before his stock can take a hit next year. Um, because, I mean, right now, you've got Travion Henderson coming back. You've got Quinshawn Judkins. You've got Trevor Etienne that we've mentioned. You've got his own teammate, Catron Allen. I think they are four guys in the same class, potentially, in 2025 that I'd rather have than Singleton at the moment. Um, and then you've also got another batch kind of creeping up behind them who are going to be looking to build on big seasons this year. Um, you're at Marion Hamptons, Ollie Gordon, Damian Martinez they're all like kind of primed and in a position where if he struggles again to take over um, in terms of kind of rankings, perhaps. Um, so yeah, like get, get out on the name value now, sell him and get that kind of um, high value before it's got a chance to, um, you know, take, take a turn for the worst. Um, I've got no doubt he'll make the league, but I don't think he's going to be that superstar that everyone was touting. Cheers, Phil. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting one because, like I say, it was um, a really high high draft pick early and it's, it's, it looked like it was going to work out for him early on, but it's, um, it's dip. But it's, uh, if you do feel like that, it's, it is a good time to sell. I think the, where I've gone with it, I've gone a different way with the guy I picked. I've gone to acquire um, Connor Wagman from Texas A&M quarterback. You've got to think now, like with all the new quarterbacks coming in from the, um, the 2024 you know, um, recruiting class, a lot of eyes are on them, the excitement um, of these guys, you know, like picking them up. People in the past, um, like if they haven't been up to scratch of like, kind of like being thrown in the, um, in the, even though it's still 
still 20, 21 years old, so thrown in the scrap heap. We've got these new shiny quarterbacks coming through. And obviously, Connor Wyman from the 2022 class, um, he's kind of lost the 2022 class, like, you know, of what it was. You know, Kate Klubnik has not worked out at Clemson whatsoever. It's not looking good. Obviously, um, Drew, Drew Alara at Penn State has been has looked really, really good. But then them games against Michigan and Iowa State have put a lot of question marks, you know, and even in the Rose Bowl against Ole Miss, you know, um, it's, it's, it's put a lot of question marks, you know, like for him. But Connor Wagman is obviously question marks there, but he played a few games in his true freshman season. He had one start against Ole Miss where he looked really good. Started last season for the first time, you know, as, as starting quarterback, got injured in week four where it looked like it, it wasn't like he was like seen as like, oh, this guy's going to be brilliant. But it, there were some flashes in the pan of good, of, of good stuff, but also a question like a few question marks. But before he got time to like really pick up head of steam, he was injured. So I feel like he's still going to be in there, maybe not fully on the scrap heap with the with um, the others, but he's he's still people probably might want to get off him. And I think I'm always like one of them people who are looking at any player, not just quarterbacks, where it's like a, a low low risk high reward. Where if you can get him for a trade, you know, with a relatively cheaper than, than what he was before with the um, chance of him rising his draft stock this year I think it, I think it's worth a swing you know what I mean it's not, I'm not saying he's definitely going to hit but there's enough out there to show that there is quarterbacks that are, have done that so if you can if you can buy him low where some people won't want to still let him go you know it's not everyone's going to sell him low but if you um, if you can get hold of him I think there's a good chance for a good year there's a new head coach over at Texas A&M you've got Colin Klein OC coming from Kansas State, who who um who did a great job with Will Howard, who's gone to Ohio State. You know, Kansas State one of the best highest offense. I think they were like top twenty five offenses over the last two years with um with with uh, Colin Klein. So another a good uh, point up for for Conor Wyman if he can stay fit this year. You know, it's but I think the main thing for me why I've, why I've chosen him is just just that that low risk high reward where you probably might not have to give up much in the and it could come good. And if it doesn't, you haven't given up much, and you can you can move forward. But yeah, that's that's one one guy I'm looking at, especially with the, with the quarterbacks in that in that class. And we'll talk about the shiny new toys um, going forward, you know, next week. But yeah, brilliant guys, I've um, really really enjoyed that as usual. It's uh, we're a long wait, but I feel like the two week wait is just pumps you up more to, to talk about football. I don't know how you feel about that. Absolutely, let's do it again in a fortnight, shall we? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think um, I think we did decide that we were going to talk about the new shiny toys, didn't we? Um, and we'll start with the uh, the quarterbacks next week, which, um, like I say, Phil's done a fantastic job of running a few down in, in um, on. Um, I keep calling it Twitter, but I don't know how we feel about that, guys. We keep calling it Twitter or X, but yeah, on, on social media, he's run run a few um, great threads there on him. But we'll we'll go into detail on them. Uh, Jack, Phil, thank you very much. Pleasure, thanks, Gerald. Yeah, and we'll uh, be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Yeah, appreciate you for listening and uh, we'll see you soon.